This tweet just in from President Trump. Are you ready for this meeting? The cost of not. We are in week three of this series. And uh, for those of you visiting us for the first time, my name is Ephraim Peña. Uh, and I am the campus pastor here at Southfields, and it is uh, my privilege and honor to uh, welcome you all. Um, we are in uh, right smack down the middle of this four-part series, week three of The Cost of Not. And um, this series is, is really about understanding that most of us have some idea of who we want to be and what we want to do in life. But we've also got this this huge list of of, of who we feel we should be and what we should be doing, right? Uh, but the truth of the matter is that we cannot, we cannot uh, do it all, we cannot be it all. And so how do we know what to pursue and, and what to do? How do we follow through and stay on task, stay the course for uh, what we're striving and wanting to be? And what would it look like at the end of this year if... Uh, uh, if we have, with the satisfaction that we have lived it well, we talked about identify have values, the things that we line up that kind of, they're like the bumper guards in our life, you know. Uh, nobody likes throwing gutter balls, right? Uh, for, those of you who, for those of you who don't know that ball, when you throw the ball and it goes, meep, meep, right? That's a gutter ball. And so I don't like throwing, I, I get embarrassed, right? And so we don't like throwing gutter balls. And so we want to make sure that we stay on track uh, and accomplish and do the things that we want to do. And so the only way that happens is, is that if we identify our values, the things that say, man, this is, this is where I want to go and how do I get there? These are the steps, right? And so last week we talked about holding yourself accountable through pacts or agreements, right? Things that we need to do in order to, to stay the course. Now, this morning, my message is titled, Avoiding the Four Horsemen of Distraction. Because the truth, truth, truth be told, a lot of us, you know, whether we want to admit to it or not, we're like Dory, right? We're like, ooh, right? We get distracted. We, sometimes there are things going on, whether it's busyness, whether, you know, someone is pulling on our attention cord or someone is trying to, trying to figure it out. We get distracted. And so, again, I like to start every message with a question here and 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 my question is have you ever had a time where you were so determined to do something right to to make it happen and in and two minutes in you're like uh what was that doing like the there's a wave of boredom came upon you that you were you're uncomfortable you you had ne negative thoughts you were completely you completely abandoned the whole thing right two minutes my kids do that Right? I, I don't know if you, you have kids right now. You bought Christmas toys. Like, I bought when I, that, that's what you, I want that, that. God, I can't wait to have that. That's like the ultimate. I need to have that. That is, that's going to be the best gift ever. Like, one week later, they're like, I don't know where it's at. 
Like, like, what do you mean you don't know where it's at? It has happened year after year, and I've never learned my lesson. I keep doing it for my, it started with a doll. I meant many of you were here when I gave you that message with my girl's doll. And it, and it continues today. We like, you know, it's a, they, they just get bored, right? Our current culture is preoccupied with the pursuit of happiness, which can result in the idea that if something isn't fun, it just isn't good. If it's not automatically enjoyable, it, it, must, it must not be for me. And I shouldn't have to waste my time and energy on it. And that presents a problem. That presents a problem because a lot of, of what you, uh, a lot of what you most want to do and what you most want to be is lying on the other side of a list of things that, um, at least on the surface, are not all fun to do. There are things that we want to accomplish. There are things that we want to do, who we want to be, right? It, it, these are the things that we desire the most, and, and, but it sits on just the other side. And there's not going to be fun in order to get there. For a lot of us, we, we have this caption that says, if it's too hard, um, if it's too hard, it's cold for, uh, that wasn't much fun. Think about that. Remember that moment where you'd be like, oh, that, that's just going to be real difficult. Oh, that's just, mm. and that's hard work. That's just, I don't know if I'm willing to, to give in to that. And that's, that's just cold work. Because that's not going to be really fun. I'm not going to like that. I'm not going to be into it, right? But I wonder if some of our dissatisfaction is an issue of miscategorization. Things like you loved exercising when you were a kid, because you called it playtime, right? Uh, you look forward to researching and studying when, you, when it's called vacation planning, right? You use love, right? You used to love listening to your wife's long stories that went absolutely nowhere back when you thought it was part of falling in love, right? Men, don't, men, men are like, they put their head down real quick, all the men are like, don't right? But here's the thing, the way you define, the way you define it determines how difficult it'll be. The way you classify it, the way you categorize it will determine how difficult it will be. And anything that gets filled or filed under the fun folder is easier to do, even if we know that this thing is normally wrong or not who we want to be or has consequences down the road. And so we chase it down with, uh, but it's fun. It's fun and, and, and I'm supposed to be happy and so I'm going to do it. And so why is this such a problem for us? I think it's because dissatisfaction and discomfort are our default settings. Dissatisfaction and discomfort are our default settings. Without them, we have no reason to grow. We have no reason to change or achieve or innovate or evolve. And this is not just a philosophical truth. It's, it's a biological truth as well. This is why we have a, a difficult time 
being content. This is why we tend to compare ourselves with, with other people. It's why you notice little aches and pains and, and why you always want more of anything that you enjoy. But here's the thing. Just because it's your default doesn't mean that it has to be your destiny. Just because it's something that's embedded in us doesn't mean that it has to play itself out that way. You are conscious and you have a conscience. You have the ability to reason and dream and anticipate far off uh, uh, consequences and choose to do things that don't feel good in the short term because they're going to be good for you in the long term. So let me show you how this plays out in the life of Daniel. We've been talking about Daniel right over uh, the last several weeks, and he's the main character of this series. And so Daniel, even though he was, he was noble and, 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 and inspiration, he was an inspirational character, he was human just like us, which means that he had to overcome the natural biological distractions that you and I have to. Right, He was no different than, than you and I. He had the, to go through the same things that we go through. I like to call them the four horsemen of distraction. If you're taking down notes, this is, uh, we're going to try to, I got a lot to go through, and you might have to take a lot of pictures here or write real quickly. So let me show you what they are and how they work and ultimately how God helped Daniel overcome them. Daniel 5, chapter 5, and verse 29. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple, purple robes, a gold chain, and Adidas sneakers, right? No. Uh, he, he had uh, dressed in purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Now, listen, Daniel had already survived two evil kings who tested and tormented him. He and those around him uh, prayed for the reigns to end, and they did. And the, the last one ended in such a spectacular, public, dramatic fashion, resulting in, in, the, in a promotion for Daniel. And he had to... He had to have been thinking, finally, finally, things are going to, to level out for me. Things are going to work out for me. No more obstacles, no more opposition. Life is going to get a whole lot easier and fun, and, and I'm going to be completely happy. But if you turn the page to the next chapter, the heading is Daniel. Daniel's in the lion's den what? <laughs> like, this is not how it's supposed to work. You know, life is, a, once you reach that point where life is good, everything is working out, you're not supposed to make a U-turn, you're not supposed to go backwards, things are supposed to be smooth sailings from now on. If I had this thought, if I could just escape this, if I could just achieve that, I'll, I'll definitely be happy. Right? I'll definitely be happy and then you did, but then you weren't. 
right? We get to that point. Man, if, if I just had this, if, if I just reached this status, if I just accumulated this many things, and then I'm definitely going to be happy. I'm going to be living it up. But then that's just not how it plays out. This is something called the hedonic adaptation. It's the natural tendency to quickly return to a baseline of satisfaction no matter what happens to us. This is why people who win the lottery, land their dream job, or marry their ideal mate, right, report feeling pretty much the same way they've always had in a matter of a few weeks. Because they quickly return to the baseline of satisfaction. If you're convinced you'll be happy, if you're convinced you'll be happy if and when you get there, you'll never be happy because after a week or two, there always feels just like here. Because you're still you, just in a different set of circumstances. And once that new thing becomes your new norm, right, you'll strangely become obsessed with something else you'll need in order to escape or achieve to get to that point of being happy again. You follow? We're always chasing it. The upside is this aspect of us keeps us motivated and moving forward, but too much of it saddles us with a sense that happiness is always just beyond our grasp. And this is because happiness isn't the result of escaping or achieving anything, but a decision to enjoy and appreciate where we're at and uh, what we have because we have a deep sense of who we are. And in order to, to, to balance this, this, this part, right, we need to have a deep sense of knowing who we are. Going back to week one, identifying your values. And Daniel does. And his ability to stay focused on, on uh, to stay focused on and be confident of who he is and give his best no matter where he is, pays off. And he continues to excel. Daniel 6, verses 3 and 4, Daniel soon proved more, uh, proved himself more capable than all of the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire, uh, uh, entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some faults in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Now, this type of has this type of thing ever happened to you? Have you ever found yourself thinking? Can't I just enjoy something for a whole five minutes before it goes bananas, before it goes sideways, before it starts going crazy? Yeah, this happened, but, but it also came with that. I cannot win. So what's the point? This is called, this is called negativity bias. 
negativity bias. It's the natural tendency to give more attention to what's negative than what's positive. Some of you know that as doubting Debbie or Debbie Downer, right? Or sucking lemon, right? <laughs> Have you ever noticed this in your own life? Where you were, where you're like, man, this is great, and then you know, this is not great, right? This is, this is, it's something always has to go wrong. You say or post or do something, right? You 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 post something on social media, or you say something, and, and everybody says, oh man, that was great, that was awesome, right? And then there's somebody that's in the crowd that says, well, you know, you you should have done this, and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, that's so right. Or you post something and someone, you got all these likes and people, man, that was great. And there's somebody in there that's just a hater, right? <laughs> and then they just post something negative. And that is all that you can focus on. Forget about the hundreds of people that said, man, that was awesome. That was great. That was, that was incredible. You are just so focused on this one that you don't even know the person. Right, and you're just so traumatized. Man, I can't believe that happened. Why would they think that? Why would they say that? That's so, oh, man. And you are just, you're, you were up here, and now you're, you're just spiraling down. Most of us are not spending the majority of our day overwhelmed with gratefulness over how good we have it, and how blessed we are, and how many prayers have been answered. Right now. We're mostly just annoyed over the one or two things that are not going the way we think they should. All right, man, man, God has done, he's done this and he's done that, but yeah, he hasn't done this though. Oh, he hasn't come through on that prayer. Oh, he hasn't taken care of me in this way. This aspect of us isn't entirely unhelpful though. It actually makes a lot of sense, especially when you factor in survival. Because good things are nice, but bad things, bad, bad things can kill you. Saying this flower is, is beautiful is a less helpful piece of information to hang on to than eating those berries are going to kill you, right? You, 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 you got to balance it out. Obviously, we can all see where this can go cocoa for cocoa puffs, right? Most of the things that, that make us nervous, fearful, and anxious today aren't a matter of, of immediate life and death. But a lot of them movie Chicken Little, yeah? the sky is falling, the sky is falling, right? Some of us, get it together. Come on now, get a grip. Some of us are just just way out there with some of this stuff. Interestingly enough, the negativity in Daniel's situation literally is a matter of life and death, but it still doesn't get in the way of his focus because the benefit of, of him staying on task is more valuable than the potential cost of standing still and stewing on negativity. So he sticks with the rhythms that he knows will make him into who he wants to be. Part of the reason we, we do this is that we may have a history of things not working out in our favor, right? We got a, we got a history of, man, that didn't work out before. Back in 1993, I didn't get that job. And so that means that, uh, you know, we're in 2020, I'm not going to get that job either. Right? 
And the further back the history goes, the harder it is to shake it loose from it, right? Especially if it's imprinted on you as a kid. Well, this is how, and so this, I'm going to carry that. I'm just going to carry that, 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 that cross with me. I'm going to carry that chain and ball wherever I go. And so, sooner before you even know it, you're like, whoa. But the truth, and I'm joking about it. Nobody loves me, right? You start carrying that, and we joke about it, but the truth, and I'm joking about it. But the truth of the matter is that some of us are walking around just like that. We're carrying the history with us where we go instead of shaking it loose and saying, man, my God is greater than my past. We see it in Daniel's life. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. During the third year of King Joaquin's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Joaquin of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. When Daniel was a kid, his nation was invaded. He was separated from his family. His home was destroyed. And he was pulled away from everything that, that which was familiar and stabilizing to him. But it wasn't, it wasn't like that was the only bad thing that ever happened. There was the time they took away his health regimen, the time they they that um time only three other guys stood up with him against the idol worship, and how you have these other guys trying to kill him because he's um, he's good at his job, and so they're jealous. Right? These things kept piling up. They kept coming up against Daniel. And I think that if, if I were Daniel, I, you know, the, my, my head would be flooded with, man, this always happens. Right? I can't get a break. This one thing after another. I'm not making this up, man. I got, I got history. I can, I can prove it. I, you go back to when they took my land and they came in and they took my parents and I became a slave and, and then I was forced to do this and, and the list goes on and on. Everyone's out to get me. I am, I, I am doomed from the beginning. This is something called rumination. Rumination is the natural tendency to replay a bad experience over and over in our minds because it wasn't what it should have been. Right? Some of us are still lamenting about that old sports injury. Or that time that one got away. I'm going to say nothing. Right? Those moments where we'll be like, oh man, if it wasn't because of this moment in my life, I would have been here. I would have been at the top of the world. And you reminisce and you bring it back up over and over. You don't have to show your hands, but ever do that. That was wrong. That was not fair. That's not how it was supposed to be. You sit and dwell and, and ruminate and go over and over and over it. And the more you do, the more rigid, the more indignant and entitled you become. Here's what's really cra uh, crazy. <laughs> you might be right. You might be right. And this aspect of us is somewhat helpful. The ability to reflect and analyze what went wrong enables us to know how to, uh, how to make, it, make different, 
better and more informed decisions for the future. But if you lean too much into it, if you you give into it too much, it just makes you angry and bitter and paranoid. Someone who can't seem to move past the past, and I start calling you the angry elf, right? Here's how you know if if, if, if it's helping you, right? If you're able to replay a situation in your mind, you're able to sort it through and leverage the insight to move forward, to to be better, right? You have just enough of this in your life. But if you're stuck on a loop and you've been stunted from growing, you've been stunted from trusting and caring and loving and trying again, and you've got too much of it, you've leaned too much into it. And that is not healthy. And although it doesn't seem that Daniel has forgotten his past, it's in his book. It's part of his story. But it's not the focus of his story. It's given the the dignity of, of a sentence or two, and then we're told what he does in spite of those negative experiences. Daniel 6.10 says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, the upper room, and its window, with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Daniel gets a lot of credit for having such an incredible, consistent, healthy routine. But what we may not think about is how difficult it would have been to establish that routine in the first place. Nothing's easy at first, right? Especially trying to pray three times a day. And we don't know how long that prayer time lasted. It's not really specific. Long enough that you could see him, um, you could see him go get more people, bring them back. And he's still doing it. So maybe longer than 10, maybe 15 minutes at least. Have you ever tried to pray one time a day at least for one minute? Right? It's hard. It's hard to pray one time a day for at least one minute. Why? Because we get easily distracted. The sirens, the pots. The TV, the radio, the phone, right? What you're going to cook for dinner, right? All of these things distract us. It's hard because prayer involves pushing aside distractions and focusing intently on God. It's super healthy. It is super um, helpful, but it just isn't, it's, it's not necessarily fun, especially at first. So to establish a consistent, healthy habit, you have to overcome something called boredom. Boredom. It's the natural tendency for our attention to to drift toward what is immediately interesting over what is ultimately important. How many of you get bored doing things? Every hand should go up, I know. You get bored, like, just... You know, you get bored of these things we get bored of. In other words, it's abandoning anything I don't currently find fun. 
Some of you are like, yeah, that's what's wrong with my kids. <laughs> this is wrong with my kids. But the truth is, isn't that what's wrong with you? This aspect of us, again, is helpful in moderation, especially if we're talking about survival instincts. Let's say you're in the forest uh, in a loincloth. Just play along with me here, right? <laughs> Just, you know, you're intently focusing on building a mud hut, right? And you hear a branch break. It benefits you to, to, to wonder what, what was that? Right? Because it may be a tiger out to bite your throat. A little graphic, I know. Right? But play along with me here. Not really a situation where we're in much anymore, right? Thank God. But we're just as distractible. And our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. Our instance, uh, insistence on constant fun, it's getting stronger and stronger to the extent that we'll do almost anything to avoid being bored. We'll do almost anything. Right? I have this thing where music has to be playing almost all the time. Because once I, I, I can focus with music playing, but once I get tired of focusing on what I was doing, music keeps me going. Music keeps me thinking of something else, right? In a study back in 2014 published in the Science um, magazine, uh, participants were, were asked to, to sit in a room, right, and just think for 15 minutes think for 15 minutes. The room was empty except for a little, uh, a, a, a little electric device that, that kind of shocked people, right? And it was off to the side. And um, participants said that they would pay to avoid being shocked by this little dumb instrument. However, 67% of men, of course, 25% of, and 25% of women shocked themselves. That's incredible to me. That in 15 minutes, boredom kicked in, in this room, and they, they went to the little device and said, hmm. because they were not having fun, right? Because it was, it was even funnier. They did it multiple times. Not because it was enjoyable, but because it wasn't boring. Like Daniel, you are going to establish new routines that build you into the kind of person you want to become. You're going to have to increase your tolerance for boredom. You're going to have to fight this. You're going to have to become a little callous to boredom, right? And how do you build a tolerance for anything? You do it incrementally. Little by little, piece by piece, step by step. Now, those are the four horsemen, and they will continually ride and ransack your goals. But let's be real. Distractions will always exist. Managing them is our responsibility. The structures are always going to be there. But we need to figure out how can we manage them 
Because that is our responsibility. So how do we do that? We do that the same way Daniel did. You realize your triggers, you reframe the task, and you realign your attitude. Here's what I mean by that. Realize your triggers. We cannot control the thoughts and feelings that pop into our heads, but we can control what we do with them. We can learn better ways to cope. This, this, this begins by realizing why you have an impulse to do what you don't really want to do. And at its core, it's pain avoidance. What pain are you avoiding? Here's how to track your triggers. I want to do this when I feel like that, right? I want to scroll through Instagram when I'm feeling lonely. I want to eat bread when I'm sad. Comfort food. I, I tend to spend money that I don't have when I'm angry. I want to do this when I feel like that. And then, once you understand that, once you, once you um, realize that, you observe the temptation without indulging in it, without giving into it. So every time I feel sad, I feel like doing this, well, I need to recognize that that's, that's what happens. And so I need to not give in to that temptation. Maybe you invoke the 10-minute rule. Not now. I, I, I can't. I, I can ride this out. I, I can stay focused. We'll see how I'm feeling in about 10 minutes. Maybe that'll work for you. Number two, reframe the task. Reframe the task. Because fun isn't something you have. It's something you make. It's the aftermath of remixing a familiar situation in a new way. Create a new way to do something old. Fun is looking for the variability in something other people don't seem to notice. It's breaking through the boredom and, uh, and the monotony to discover its hidden beauty. Number three. Realign your attitude. Realign your attitude. And it flows and responds like an emotion. It recedes and it flows in response to what's happening around you and your feelings about it. When we need to do something difficult, it's better to believe your lack of motivation is, is temporary, spent, and you need a break. That you have to give in because you have no choice. A study published in the Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs discovered that addicts believe regard uh, uh, addicts' beliefs regarding their powerlessness was an, was as was as significant in determining whether they would relapse as their level of physical dependence. In other words, your mentality is as important as your biology. 
The good news is you can change the way you talk to yourself. It's almost like giving yourself a pep talk, right? Talk to yourself the way you might talk to a friend or child that you love. Say things to yourself like, this is what it feels like to get better at something. You're on your way. Obstacles are a part of the process. Nothing improves without practice. Growing isn't supposed to be easy. You can do this. Keep going. Let me wrap this up. Many of you have been coming to South Hills and you know that I, I just love asking questions. Um, and not so much questions for me to be nosy. Yeah, I'm nosy and I like getting information about people. But all of the questions that, that I present are really like self-questions. They're questions for you to, to go home and ask yourself, where are you at? Where are you with your walk with God? Where are you in the way you think, in the way you feel? Because the truth of the matter is, until you start, you're never going to find out, right? You're never going to find out where you find yourself. Am I doing the things that I need to be doing in order to grow in my relationship with God? Am I doing the things that line me up and position me to be better? Some of you have goals of being a better husband or a better wife. Some of you have goals on being better parents, a better friend, a better colleague, a better Jesus follower. And the only way we can really evaluate if we're doing what we're, we, we set out to do, if we, we're accomplishing being the person that we set out, we want to be. You're going to have to ask yourself these questions. Tough questions. Questions that actually only you can answer. Am I doing what I need to be doing in order to be the best me? Or be the person that I want to be? So what might your year look like if you actually began to play these things out? What might your relationships look like if you actually begin to take heed, take what we've been talking about at the start of this year and begin to play them out, plug them and play them out in your life? Because the truth of the matter is that everyone in this room can. Everyone in this room has the same opportunity to grow. Everyone in this room has the same opportunity to accomplish the things that they have set out and be the person that they desire most to be. A good husband, a good dad, a good wife, a good mom, a good son or daughter, a great worker, a great friend, a great pastor. We can accomplish these things. But here's the thing, we cannot accomplish them on our own. We cannot accomplish them on our own. I find it interesting that Daniel doesn't carve out, uh, doesn't just carve out healthy habits. He's intentional about the one habit at the base of them all. And that habit is regularly asking God for help. 
at the core of his success, at the core of his victories, at the core of his triumph, at the core of his mountaintop experiences, he positions himself on a frequent basis to ask God for help. Daniel 6, 11 says, Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Church, defeating distractibility requires help and humility. In other words, if you want to stop being distracted, you're going to ask, you're going to have to ask for help. Yeah, you're, you're probably super intelligent. You're, you're a strong character and you've accomplished great things. But the truth of the matter is that you cannot do life without God. You may think you can. But if you search and you start asking yourself the deep questions of where you're at in life, the things that you are trying to accomplish, the truth of the matter is that you cannot and you will not do it without God's help. Think about your life before Christ. Where was that life leading? Where were you before you gave your heart to Christ? And maybe you're here and you haven't given your heart to Christ and be like, well, same place I was yesterday. <laughs> but you need help. You need help. And no matter how highly and mighty your friends are, no matter how intelligent and beautiful you are, no matter how strong focused you may be at the end of the day just like Daniel we need to seek God for help the things that you're looking to take charge of this year the things that you're looking to accomplish the person that you're trying to be the husband, the wife the father, the mom the colleague the Christian that you're trying to be, the better person that you're trying to be, you won't be able to do it without God. But God won't do them without you. He won't do them. Yeah, God, God can do anything. God is the God of, he can do anything. But he won't do it without you in it. You got to put some skin in the game, folks. There's a New York Lotto logo or slang that used to go back in the days. You got to be in it to win it. You got to be in it to win it. You got to be in this relationship in order for God to do some incredible things in your life. You got to put some skin in the game. You got to be invested. got to be a willing participant. You see, growth, spiritual growth, growth that will change and impact your life and the life of those around you and the people that you have contact with, that is going to happen. That is a partnership 
That is a partnership. And God wants to partner with you in order to, for you to realize your purpose. Find God, find your purpose. You can't find your purpose if you haven't found God. Break the loop. Got to break the loop, folks. Got to break the loop. Find God, find purpose. I believe that in this room, God has called incredible people to accomplish incredible things. But it starts with our relationship with God. Daniel called out to God. Despite the troubles, despite the setbacks, despite the world being against him, Daniel called upon God. And God took him from glory to glory to glory to glory. You have to be a willing participant in order to impact and change your life, change the lives, the lives of those that you love and care for. Amen.